This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by Mick Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mick Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mick Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frames. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me today is Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Foam's 1-1 draw with Cardiff City on Friday night. We also have a very special guest who was at the match, and that is Benjamin Bloom making another return to Cottage Talk. He's going to share his view on this match, so we're going to have two different perspectives on Foam's 1-1 draw. We have a lot to talk about, but before I do anything else, I'll first bring my co-host back on the show, Max. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, you know. It's international break. We've had our first six matches, and I think we're in a really good spot for us. I think, you know, we're still in the the playoffs. We haven't had a start this impressive, I think, in the championship for a while. We've been consistent. We've had some bobbles. But, you know, overall, heading into this first international break, I'm happy to see how the season progresses. And I'm, I'm quietly confident that we can stay in this top six, I think, throughout the entire season. Okay, very good. Excellent there, my friend. All right, let me bring Ben back onto the show. Mr. Bloom, thank you again for joining us. You were on after the Blackburn match, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting your view on this match. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we we had lots of conversations after Blackburn. Will it click? Then you guys (laughs) decimated Millwall. And I thought, here we go, 100 points, 100 goals, and then you lose to Forest. So um, <laughs> you can you can fill me in on on what's been what's been going on. But I did make a very very long journey, um, seven hours round trip to to Cardiff for my for my sin. So I was there. In <laughs> All right, Ben. Before we go on any further, just remind everyone what you do and how they they can reach you on YouTube and also on Twitter. Yeah, sure. So I'm um, by trade an Ipswich Town fan. Ipswich were in the championship for 17 years. So I started building up a championship YouTube channel, um, made friends with lots of Fulham fans, actually, in um, 17, 18, covering um, their games. By the nature of what I do, I end up covering the top teams for the last few months, especially in promotion chases. Um, so I'm still here doing the doing the championship. Um, friend of yours, Russ, and... Um, our paths have crossed again 
now you're back and um yeah you can find me at a lot of championship games if you just type benjamin bloom into youtube i try and get a fair mix along with the odd bit of my team which reached now in league one <laughs> all right very good there ben all right i'm gonna start with you and you were at the blackburn match and please do check out ben's videos you can go back and watch his video about Fulham's match against Blackburn, but you definitely check out his most recent one. I would highly recommend it. I actually tweeted that out and put it on the Cottage Talk Facebook page. But Ben, let's start here. I want your comparison between watching Fulham play against Blackburn and then seeing them play against Cardiff City. Let's start there. Um, firstly, can you just help me out? Was this Reed's first game in the midfield three or had he come in before? This was his first start. Interesting, very interesting. Okay, so uh, the comparison would be, um, the only difference is obviously Adoy was at right back. So this is my first time seeing Sessignon right. in the flesh. Um, and I think we, we're all in kind of agreement that it may well end up with Harrison Reed being more of a stopper in the midfield three. Um, when we When we saw the makeup of that midfield, that they weren't going to rotate too much and that Arta was frankly just sitting there. I think we all kind of agreed, well, he's a very good passer and a more creative player who can carry the ball, that maybe Reed would end up in there. So um, I think the 11 has developed and I think you've got another uh, another good player called Sessignon um, in there as well. Um, I think strategically it's the right thing to do. There were similar um, issues with the um, with the playing out from the back, particularly the restarts, but in a very different way to the Blackburn game, because I'm sure, as we'll yep. discuss, um, Neil Warnock's approach to dealing with this was very different to Tony Mowbray's, um, yes. and that caused its um, that caused its own issues, and they still haven't quite. Um, it still still looks like a bit of trepidation w- when they're following these instructions. Okay, very good. Max, over to you. I just want to get your opening thoughts. We did the full-time show, so it's been a few days. Your thoughts on the match and also what Ben just shared. Yeah, it's a good point because it was Harrison Reed's first match and uh, starting from the off playing, playing the full full match in that midfield three. Um, and he, I wasn't too impressed by him, to be honest. But again, I think we have to take this with a grain of salt because it is Cardiff away. And it is, as Ben mentioned, you're up against a Neil Warnock side. And, and it was classic Warnock, as I think Ben's going to mention, and he did mention in his video, is that they set up to frustrate the opposition. So for any side going away to Wales, you're going to have to you're going to have to put up with that. And we struggled a lot of times. It wasn't the prettiest of games. We couldn't get our rhythm flowing. It was very much stop start. And the session we did have, I think, really struggled to turn into clear cut chances for the most part. But then again, I think that's one of the toughest away matches we'll have all season. And the fact that we dug deep in that final 20 minutes, 25 minutes to hold on to the point. That's what I'm going to take away from this match is that we showed a lot of steel towards the end. We did, we didn't, we didn't break. As I said, in the full-time show, we might've bent, but we didn't break. And even with going down to 10 men, even with the order, that whole madness, the whole couple minutes of madness, we didn't yep. lose the match. And I think in years past, we might've seen a Fulham team lose that match, but totally that's what that. I'm going to take hard from is that I think Scott Parker's mentality here and the players dug deep. I'm going to give a shout-out to Abubakar Kamara for coming in and actually being a very good impact substitute. You know, when you're, chase, when you're trying to hold on with 10 men, he provided that outlet. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think it was, a, it, was a, it was a hard-earned point, and I think we'll take that come May. Okay, excellent. Ben, back over to you. Just, again, let's now just focus on your overall view of this match. you got both perspectives. You can look at it from a phone perspective and also from a Cardiff City perspective as a neutral just your thoughts on the overall match. Um, Max is right. It's it's not um, the prettiest watching a Warnock team, but I actually really enjoy watching Warnock teams just purely for my nerdy fascination with tactics. And I like seeing teams that are, that are just a little bit sort of different. Um, what I noticed um, in the Blackburn game, the big issue was actually not being able to connect 
um, defence and playing out deep midfield right. with attack. So Warnock tries to um, exploit this and you have this incredible man-marking thing from the goal kicks. And then literally, without any word of hyperbole, a 35-yard gap in the middle of the pitch from all the restarts. And better right. than he kind of figured out that he could chip in um, chip the ball wide to Caballero or Knockout or try and find Big Mitro, unfortunately, with two of the biggest, most imposing centre-halves. Mitro won't come up against um, that every week in Morrison and um, Flint. What I did notice, which I think is positive, and I suppose this is the benefit of not watching your team every week, I did notice that, um, and I thought Reid was trying to cajole this, Um, there were times he was waving the centre-halves forward. And I have to say, when... Reem, obviously, when we do the first goal, he didn't go yeah, to the glory on, yeah, on, <laughs> yeah. on those. But when the, the centre-halves did get forward and the full-backs were high and the, the, the possession is maybe 35, 40 yards away from the goal as opposed to 5 to 10 yards away from the goal, Fulham looks so dangerous. If they can link up those three teams and the old um, Arrigo Saki 20, 25 metres back to front, because they can play the ball in tight spaces, I thought that was that was an improvement. And I, I wanted to come back to something Max said about the the ten men and the steal. Yes. When the red when the red card came out, I thought Fulham are probably the best team in the league to be able to deal with playing with ten men because they're constantly circulating the ball around that back. I don't know, six or seven players before it even gets wide to one of the wide guys. So strangely, I know as a Fulham fan, you'd be terrified when you see goes down to 10 men because that's just the nature. But I was sitting there thinking, well, if there's one team that's going to be okay with this, it is going to be Fulham. They'll just continue to circulate the ball and just have one less out there um, for for the wide pass. And the way, you know, the way that Kearney and Arta can carry the ball, obviously that's a bit of a faux pas for me because Arta was one of the, one, one of the ones that got sent off. Um, <laughs> but you, you take my point, don't you? That yeah. um, if Fulham are going to hold out with 10 men, um, it's going to be through keeping the ball. And also, you should take as a huge compliment, when Neil Warnock is praising the way that the Fulham players played for time and exaggerated Fouls, you know, you know, you've done a good job there with the uh, with the game management because his sides, good point. His sides are the absolute, they're the absolute masters of not breaking the rules but pushing them right to their extremes. Which, um, as fans, it irritates us when we're on the receiving end. But you ask any sportsman, they'll do it. Okay, very good there, Ben. All right, let's move on. Let's uh, start with before we get into breaking down the match, Max, I'll go to you. I, I want to get your thoughts on Fulham starting 11 in the 18 overall. Yeah. You know, the big thing of course is Reed coming in. And I think I was excited to see him from the off because we'd seen him in bits and flashes, but it was nice to see him, you know, in the starting 11 uh, elsewhere. Of course, you know, Bobby Reed couldn't play because he's on loan from Cardiff, um, but he did play midweek. So the starting 11, I think was very much, Expected, except for um, Johansson dropping out and Reed coming in. But I might have liked to see Johansson f- from the start here because this is a match when his brand of physical play and, and breaking up of the opposition attacks can be really useful. So that was one thing I was a bit surprised on. But, you know, apart from that, I think it was very, very standard uh, starting level. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Ben. I, I want to look at it from a different perspective. Your thoughts on Cardiff City? They're starting 11. Um, strong. Obviously, you have the two hulking great centre-halves. Um, I think um, with the Reed thing, if you actually watch the way Joe Rules plays for Cardiff, um, one of the midfield two, Bakuna sat. I think what actually helped having Reed there was Rules seems to spend the whole game watching the play develop ahead of him and pressing up um, into like number 10 position. If you watch through the season, Rules will actually score a number of goals following up um, the kind of direct attacks that we know know we're going to get. And maybe Reed is a better guy when you've got that challenge out of possession than, okay, Blackburn at home. Yeah, Arta, stick him in there, have lots of the right. ball. So maybe there was a tacti- tactical thing there that they wanted one, uh, as much as I love Kearney, um, Arta and Johansson, none of them are real fighter type centre midfielder so maybe that was maybe that was the reason um 
Otherwise, a little bit surprised. Obviously, um, they've loaned Reed to you, but Tomlin seems to have had a million chances in the championship, and he was in there at number ten, and he couldn't. I think the um, the split in the pitch from the goal kicks didn't help him because he was really isolated as a number ten. Um, I thought White, the young winger that they got from Oxford, I thought decent. he was bright. Yeah, I, th- I agree. But um, Glatzel, um, I'm sure um, Warnock knows what he's signing, but um, I didn't, I didn't, didn't think he was at it yet. And um, I saw Kenneth Sahor play for West Brom the other week, and um, I, I can see Glatzel possibly um, not being in the Cardiff team or having a little rest soon. Um, but strong parachute team. And you know Warnock stuff is very, very bespoke, isn't it? They have very specific roles and um, you know what you're going to get. Okay, excellent. I want to go back to you, Ben, because you brought up Lee Tom, and the reason why I want to ask you about him again is that Tom Coleman in our preview show, who writes about Cardiff City for Wales Online, said that he was a key player for this match. Would you agree before the match that Tomlin was a key, and if he was not able to do what he needs to do, that that could really cause issues for Cardiff City? Uh, I suppose when you play against Fulham this season, your, your number 10 is always going to be the key player because you've got Fulham have risk-taking centre-half. So I guess that would have been the um the Cardiff fans point it just just my thing is Tomlin always seems like he's he's going away and he's being sold from whatever 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 club he's at doesn't he and um, I was just just frankly you know I know he played the last game actually clearly a skillful talented guy but um you know possibly under underachieving type player and um he really wasn't key in this game, was he? Because he couldn't, couldn't get on the ball and he and he couldn't affect it. Not maybe, not maybe his fault that the way it played out. Um, but um, yeah, that would be my view on him. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, let's uh, talk about the first half. I'll just go over some key moments and then we'll go back and talk about two of them, which were the goals. And I'll get both of your thoughts on that. And then after that, want to get your overall view of the first half. And I'll also share what Scott Parker had to say to Fulham FC TV about Fulham's performance in the first half, which is interesting. So let's start here and let's talk about Fulham having a couple of opportunities early in the match. You have the shot by Brian, a good opportunity there. And that's followed up a couple of minutes later with a shot by Narcard that just goes wide. It was on his right foot. And again, not a great shot, but it was a good opportunity. And then a little later, you have a, a soft shot from Mitro for Fulham. But then things start getting a little bit more moving forward. You have an opportunity from uh, Murphy um, that's actually saved by Bettinelli, and there's a follow-up there that, that uh, goes wide. And now let's stop, and let's talk about the goal, which is in the later stages of the first half in the 42nd minute by Murphy. We have to talk about this. We talked about this. In the uh, full-time show, and uh, I've actually watched this back a few more times. And, Ben, I've watched your video. We talked about this. So I am going to start with you. Let's talk about your view of the goal by Murphy as a neutral, and then um, Max and I will share our view. I I have a feeling, based on what I watched, that it's going to be similar. But just share your thoughts on the goal by Murphy that gives Cardiff City the lead. Yeah, I think you've you've summed up the context pretty well in that Fulham – start well don't they they create those two chances um and then the swing of the game is not due to really anything Cardiff do it's due to them as in anything Cardiff do on the ball it's due to them really just trying to get in and upset the the flow out from the back and this plays into Ream actually wanting to carry the ball and he leaves Mawson short-handed doesn't he um so he plays it out and I think it's Cavaliero, um, Flint reads that one well. Yes. You can you can say Cavaliero is a little bit weak there, but um, Flint against Cavaliero physically is um, is not a fair fight. Even though Cavaliero's you know kind of got the low center of gravity, Flint's just a, a monster, isn't he? It's actually a really good pass by Flint. I know um, Reem's absence has given him um, a bit of space to play into, but he waits it nicely and. A um, bit of a strange one because it looks like Murphy's taken it too wide. Um, 
maybe Bettinelli's expecting him to cross to Glatzel again. The centre halves are all over the shot because Ring had, had stepped out. Um, hits the shot well, but it's a difficult, difficult chance. I looked on the XG, eleven percent um, chance of conversion from there. Um, just skids in front of. Um, Bettinelli and Gold probably should save that, but I guess uh, I'll, I'll be interested to know your thoughts. Do we give him a pass because of the bounce and because he probably expected it to be across there and maybe he wasn't totally set? But um, Murphy did what he could with it and um, surprisingly good play by by Flint. More what I'd expect from a Fulham player than a, than a Cardiff player that step <laughs> out and, and, and ball through. Does, does that chime with, with your read then? Well, I'm going to go to Max in just a second. And Max and I on the full-time show, we were joking a little bit because Max is a huge fan of Marcus Bettinelli. And personally, my view is he should have done better. And I think that, uh, for, in my opinion, soft goal. I, I, think the, I, I know it bounced, but he should be saving that. That's my view on it. But to Max's credit, he talked about what you talked about, Ben, about the play of Tim Ream. And it's a very good point because uh, it really starts there. So, Max, I'll go to you. Uh, again, we talked about this. So I want your view now a couple of days later and also share your thoughts on what Ben and myself talked about in regards to the goal. Yeah, you know, this is why it's always great to have Ben on because he brings in that perspective of the neutral. And I think he made a great point about the Flint, the Flint pass. Because when we're analyzing it right after the match, we don't yeah, we're not looking Flint. at that. We're like, this is a terrible <laughs> goal. But credit to I'm watching it back, and it was a great ball because Cessino's position wasn't great, but that ball is perfectly weighted, as Ben said, right into the path of Murphy. But, you know, to go to the, the real the real debate here over Bettinelli, Ben, Fulham fans all over Marcus Bettinelli here. And it happened really? for a number of weeks. Yes. And, yeah, exactly. You see, you wouldn't know it. Um, but he has made some errors, and I'm going to be honest, that, that was a bit of an error. You know, you're right. As soon as Murphy takes that ball, Max, are they near the touchline. Are they annoyed yeah, at him by proxy because of the playing out from the back thing? And that's now because I, I, I always thought he was steady, you know, with his hands. And uh, is it the frustration with the playing out from the back thing that's that's maybe colouring that? Yeah, I, I think it definitely plays a role because, as you mentioned, there are a lot of nervy moments when it's obviously it's obviously been drilled into the back four and Benelli that this is the way we want to play out from the back. And oftentimes it might lead to us giving away the ball and the fall blames of Benelli. But even more than that, I think a lot of people are upset with some of his mistakes because of the nature of how we play. We don't give up many shots. And in recent matches, the very few shots on target we have given up, you could point, you could point fingers at Benelli. So a lot of fans are saying, listen, he's only had to make X amount of saves this season and X amount of goals have gone in and pointed to that kind of poor save percentage. But again, I think that also has to do with how how few shots we give up, and when those go in, you point fingers to the goalkeeper. It's but, the ratio. You know, this one, it yeah, yeah, it, it did take a bounce, it take a little bobble, but again, you should be you should be saving that. But what I want to focus on is the ream thing because listen, I'm I'm all for center backs playing out of the back. I think we do that well at Fulham, but ream has to be smarter here because when you do leave a massive gap, when you do venture that far away from your normal position. You have to make sure the ball you're playing is not a ball into danger. And he must see Flint right in the back of Cavalero. And just as Ben said, he's a monster. He's, he, there's a good chance he'll gobble it up, as he did. So if I'm a center back, if I'm Ream and, and I'm striding out of the back four, I'm almost into deep lying midfield, I want to play that ball wide. I want to play that ball out of danger, not right into the mixer where Flint can get it back and suddenly I'm out of position. And then the issue was Mawson. I think Mawson did a great job, actually, of trying to control the two threats. Because he didn't want to go too far to Murphy because then the square ball's on. And he didn't right. want to lay off too much because then the shot was unclear. So he forced him wide. But then again, if Reem's back in position, Mawson can go cover. Reem can cover the man in the middle. And I think that goal probably doesn't go in. Okay. Very good there. Very interesting. And I'm, like I said, I'm, after we're done talking about these two goals, I'm, I'm going to share the thoughts of uh, Scott Parker because they're going to play into what we just talked about a little bit. And – Ben, I want to go back to you. Let's talk about the response because, again, this is uh, important for Fulham to respond right back before the half. I think this is fantastic. Goal from Mitro, but this is set up from Kearney and Cavallero. Your view of the equalizer for Fulham before the half ended? Just quickly, Russ. should have been 2-0. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to mention that. You're yeah, right about they, that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry go. about that. 
Yeah, there was a great save on on a shot by Murphy. Actually, Cardiff City should have been up two 0 You're right about that. Go ahead. And yeah, that was the that was the bizarre thing. I'm sitting there, the game kicks off, and possession, possession, possession. And I would have thought that if if it was level at halftime, that Parker would have been. I know a few Fulham fans have been down on the performance. That Parker would have been. Oh, that's not good. We should be leading. But the fact that it actually could have been two 0 was very surprising. Um, right. It, I love this position that. Kenny takes up and it's so annoying for the defenders because he's left footed and he moves that into that right right side position, half position inside of where Knockhart would normally be. And it, when you mentioned the Joe Bryan chance, um, that was from that channel. Beautiful pass by Kenny. It must be awful to defend against all this. Everything's inverted, isn't it, with um, Knockhart and Kenny on that side. They do so much damage with their left feet. Um, it was uh, Caballero um, and so Sessignon, sorry, and plays Kearney in. And I compared it to a bit of a Grealish move because um, Grealish for Villa would constantly get on the ball and he would just he just stops and he says to the defender, "Gone." Then what are you going to do? And that really, I think, stitched up the um, Cardiff centre halves who somehow didn't manage to notice a massive Serbian guy who's probably going to be the top scorer in the league. <laughs> just kind of creeping behind them. But, um, yeah, great great composure by Kearney. It's good players have time, don't they? And he's in the box. He doesn't panic. He's got the defender on toast. Uh, lovely ball back. And Caballero, does he get very, very lucky here? Is this a bit of a bit of a mishit shot or is it a very, very good cross? But um, Bennett and Morrison hang their heads in shame. I'm sure Warnock lit them up about leaving Mitro one yard from goal in the middle of the goal. Um, it, you know, um, but it, I'd be very interested in your thoughts on, on the actual assist, whether whether that was deliberately played across that way or or was he just putting it into an area? <laughs> okay, very good. I'll go to you, Max, and get your view on this, but very good f- from Ben because uh, that was a goalman, uh, Ben... Every show, there's usually at least one or two Goldmans where I forget to mention something, and I forgot to mention the uh, opportunity for for Cardiff City to go up two nil. Uh, that is huge. The fact that uh, Fulham dodged a, a bullet there, so very good from uh, from Ben for mentioning that. So Max, I w- want to get your view of what Ben just shared about the goal and and w- what he's asking, and also the fact I'm glad that he mentioned this. There was a very good chance there that Fulham could have gone down 2-0 and then they would have scored a goal to make it 2-1. to one. So I want to give Ben Nelly credit here for a key save too. Exactly, because if you're going to give him stick for the goal, you might as well give him credit Absolutely. for the great save he makes moments after, right? Um, but of course, everyone's going to remember the goal, uh, and that makes sense. But yeah, I think uh, Ben made a good point about Cavalera's cross. I think we're all treating it and as what are a your thoughts on that cross. I still think it was a cross. I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And But the fact that it beat every single man in that, because that was a crowded, crowded penalty area. It was a crowded six-yard box. And the fact that Mitro, great awareness just to float in there for the tap-in. But that ball just was perfectly weighted, perfectly positioned. I mean, it was superb. And even, even before that, Mitro started off that move with some strength setting up Kearney. And he was really involved from start to finish. And that's what I like about him, is that he can drop back because he was peripheral, I'm going to be honest, for most of this match. But when he realized things aren't going his way, he can drop back in the midfield, try to make something happen, just his own will, his own initiative. And that's a really valuable asset. Uh, it was a great goal to watch and especially satisfying considering it was just moments, you know, after we went behind, a really good response. And it was a shame because I really thought we could go and kick off and win the match, just kind of like the Huddersfield match and go on and win 2-1 or something. But, you know, the second half, as we'll talk about, it took a turn. Okay, very good there. All right, now I just want to share what I just watched this morning from Scott Parker and then get your overall view, both of you, of the first half. Because Scott Parker said, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the direct quotes here, but he basically said Fulham played very poor and was intimating that Fulham played into the hands of Neil Warnock and Cardiff City and that they were trying to force the situation at times they were not patient enough because then he talked about how he changed things up a little bit in the second half and talked to them to be a little bit more patient. So again, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but Scott Parker's view of Fulham in the first half, he said very poor. Ben, 
want your thoughts just overall on the first half and also what I just shared, what Scott Parker had to share about Fulham's performance. Hmm. I find that a little bit surprising that he that he said that. I you know, I I didn't think they did much wrong and um Cardiff are ex Premier League and Warnock is, you know, very, very good in game and very good at stopping teams playing. Maybe he's um maybe he's just trying to get about his players and keep the standards um high as possible. Possibly talking to Reem about playing with his emotions, obviously um, Cardiff had pushed on, Fulham were on the back foot. And he referred prob- to the goal, so he did talk Yeah, about so that's that. probably an emotionally-led pass of, oh, we can't get out, we can't get out, well, hold my beer, I'm going to step forward and um, <laughs> and play us into, you know, into the attacking position. And, um, yeah, so he's probably um, a guarded, um, guarded word at uh, Ream there. But um, I would suggest that um, there's less wrong than he's saying, and this is presumably a, a, a standards thing that he's trying to set okay. with those comments. Okay. And what was just your overall view of the first half? A um, bit muddly, but I thought Fulham were comfortable until the the period, which all stemmed from, um, it's their own doing. And just a couple of times in these situations, Bettinelli needs to, have the authority to go, no, back four, up, let's get 15 yards up the pitch, I'm going to play this one, um, go and get all, go and get around Mitro. And do you know what I mean? Sometimes it feels like um, the stubbornness to stretch out the pitch um, plays into opponents' hands. They can really get, if you're Cardiff, you can really get settled into this position of, right, they're, they're playing out again, let's take, take my position, we, we've cut off all the avenues, we're ready for this restart and maybe they just need to mix it up a little bit. Okay. Excellent. Max, over to you thoughts on the first half and also what Ben shared and what I shared from what Scott Parker said after the match. Yeah. I think again, he's probably being a bit too harsh on the Fulham side as Scott Parker. I don't think we were poor. I think it was just that kind of match in that first half where not much of note happened. It was choppy stop, start, neither team. I, I think, and, and Ben's right. We, we didn't look too troubled. Until I mean that was the first shot, right? That was the first shot on target, uh, essentially, yes. um, when when Murphy scored. So it, it's tough, but I think the response is the most impressive thing to me because that first forty minutes, it was very hard to to see our rhythm or anyone's rhythm just because how choppy the game was. But as soon as we went behind, we equalized. And if I'm Scott Parker, that's what I'll probably focus on. But maybe that's a media thing. He wants to show that he's not happy. He wants us to be better. He wants us to be at our peak. And I guess he's probably also angry. Uh, as a whole, about the order situation. Uh, that's what I'll attribute those comments to. Okay, very good. All right, let's now transition and talk about the second half. And uh, I'll go through a, a key moment, and then that'll lead up to talking about what happened with Harry Arthur. Definitely want, want to focus a little bit on that. Let's talk about the shot by Mitro in the 49th minute. Again, Fulham, I thought, came out fairly strong to start the second half. I, I think uh, Scott Parker's... Uh, Halftime talk worked because uh, they looked a little bit better to start the second half. And I thought they were, again, going in the right direction. And then everything changes with uh, the two yellows um, pretty much close in in between both of them from Harry Archer. I, I think the first one, I think we're both, all three of us going to agree that uh, that, that was a yell. It's going to be talking about the second one that's going to be interesting. So, Max, I'll go to you and then I'll go to to Ben to talk about the Harry Archer situation. And then I'm going to share what Scott Parker shared in this video. Your thoughts on the lead up to the situation with Harry Archer and then the Harry Archer situation itself. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Cause again, as I said, in the full-time show, there's no need for that first challenge. It was a hundred percent of booking, but there's no need for him to dive in there way too aggressive because the card of attack was not that dangerous. So, it was just a silly tackle. And again, I think this is all emotions getting the better of himself. I think the occasion of returning to Cardiff is probably bad blood between the supporters and him. They didn't like that he left. Again, it's a tough place to go. He did not control himself, which, which is sad because Arter can be a, a player who is so aggressive. And, and we love that about him already. He's endeared himself to the Fulham fans, but he needs to keep those emotions on their check. And he just didn't. And, you know, and then we're going to go to the second yellow. And yes, he got clipped. I don't think that's. That's uh, that's uh, debatable. 
uh, he obviously, I think it was more, more of a flint, obviously uh, tread on, on his heel, but he flew himself to the ground probably, you know, seconds afterwards. It was not a natural, like no one running who gets tripped does that. It was unnatural, and that's what the referee saw. However, if you kind of watch that in real time, it looks a lot less egregious than it does in those slow motion replays, which is what Scott Parker said incredibly correct about that is that when you slow it down every single thing you know on a football pitch looks worse or better or whatever that's not how the game's played that's how we watch it at home that's how we watch on those big screens but as a footballer if you watch in real time it's not that bad let's be honest it's not that bad but again what i think what i want to focus on is not a dive or the clip is arda's reaction which does it for me is that he just goes and he goes screaming he hands to the floor he crouches, he slaps the ground, and he screams at, at, the, uh, at the linesman. And that's what does it. That's what's over the top is that he – because if he just gets up, dusts himself off, I don't think it's off. I don't think it's a second yell. I think that kind of gets brushed under the table. It's a corner whatever. We move on. But the fact that he had such a tantrum and such a big deal out of it after the fact almost drew more attention to, to the supposed dive. And that's where I have to get mad at Arter because there's no need for him to lose his composure in that situation. Listen, I'm one that cannot stand someone that dives. It bothers me, and, and I'm very unhappy that he dived in this match and uh, definitely want to talk about it. But there are other factors that go along with this. Ben, before I share my thoughts and also share the, the thoughts of what Scott Parker said, your thoughts on the lead-up to this, was I right that Fulham were trending in the right direction at the beginning of the second half? And then also your thoughts on the whole order situation from being there. Mm. You're, you're absolutely right that they were trending in the right direction. And in fact, from inside the stadium, I wrote this down in my notes, there's a period from about 58 to 60 where Fulham literally have the ball in possession for about 90 seconds. And the Cardiff fans are actually booing uh, I heard Fulham that. and singing boring, boring Fulham. And I'm kind of like, well, take the ball off them if you, <laughs> you know, if you want to. Um, so uh, Cardiff had dropped off. They dropped off quite not not in quality in terms of team shape. They they were now in in a Tony Mowbray position rather than Neil Warnock right. position. And it was once again right a four two three one. But we're going to pretty much have our row of three behind the deep line playmaker and just sit back. So I think um, I would suggest certainly in terms of territory and possession, Fulham are actually dominating. And Warnock um, he puts Patterson in for Tomlin, which is yeah, he a makes kind the change. of aerial outlet at number 10. And he puts Hoyler in for White as well. So um, I'm sitting here thinking Fulham are going to win this game up until minute number 65. <laughs> um, you're, you're right. The first um, the first one's a, a Stonewall Yellow. It's a nice bit of skill, actually, by rules. Kills the goal kick and, um, yeah, Arthur, just silly. Um, yep. uh, it's, it's a difficult one. Um I can just be honest and tell you how I felt watching yes. it. I felt it was pretty egregious in real time, not even in slow motion because Morrison, and again, it's so surprising. You, you can imagine all the prep um, that uh, Fulham did for Flint and Morrison would have been, um, you know, where do they go on set plays and double screening them and marking them. And we're talking about Flint playing a through ball for the first goal and Morrison a sidestep and a nutmeg before yep. um, before going up to Arta. And look, we see <laughs> we see players do it a million times, don't we? They nick the ball away, they go down, and they take the free kick. And um, I don't know what went wrong with that process. And um, yeah, we all have our views on simulation and diving, but Max is totally right. If he goes down closer to Morrison, uh, free kick, um, right. and every everyone moves on. He just he just made a he made a mess of his um dark artsing, let's just say, and it was it was a clear simulation for me. And players do themselves no favours. The offences were literally two phases of play apart, sixty five and sixty six. You're literally waving a flag at the ref saying, Please send me off. Okay, very good. All right. And listen, I'm as I've already said, I'm no fan of uh, anyone that dives and uh, he simulated. There's no question about that. I'm not happy about that, but I'm going to share what Scott Parker shared. And I find this interesting. And again, this is, it's the difference between real time and then actually maybe watching it afterwards, because I'm paraphrasing exactly what he said, but he said, 
talking about the foul, you know, and again, it looks like he's clipped. And then he says, Ben, I'll go right back to you, that the simulation doesn't matter at that point because there's a foul. So what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> I, l- I like Scott Parker, but he's he's just wrong, isn't he? It's um, there. Two things can be true, can't they? Yes, there possibly is a foul, or and also, um, it sounds like I'm piling in on poor Parker now. Just because he touches him doesn't necessarily mean it's a foul. I think it probably was, but there can be a foul and there can be simulation as well. So um, yes, if the referee got the foul wrong, then so be it. But I don't see the link really um and i think scott is defending his player there and um i think being really pedantic about about the laws um those two defending offenses... his brother-in-law as well yeah. <laughs> is, is it his brother-in-law okay it well, is yeah I, I wasn't aware <laughs> of that but um i i think i think he's wrong guys sorry to say that on a on a fulham podcast um but I, I don't I don't see the relevance of that and I think both things can be true and it's that simulation is simulation unless unless the whistle I guess is I guess is gone. Although I was at Leeds Villa last year. Um whistle's definitely gone when Patrick Bamford takes a takes a dive <laughs> and he retrospectively gets um gets a two match ban. So I don't think it matters when the simulation takes place. Um he needed Max is totally right. He needed to he needed to do it as he got the contact, and no, we I wouldn't be discussing that. this. And Fulham probably would have had the three points as well. And that's the thing that's going to drive me crazy, Ben. Max, <laughs> am, I, am I being oh, too am I being too harsh on Parker? That what do you think? I don't think you are being too harsh. I think that's your opinion, Max. Do you think he's being too harsh on Scott Parker and your view of all this? And he also talked about. The fact that that uh, it could have been a corner, you know, the the corner, the simulation, and then of course the foul. What what are your thoughts about all that? Yeah, I think we have to go back and see like what's the context Parker is speaking in, right? First of all, uh, Ben, I, it's it's you probably don't know this because you're not know, a Fulham fan. That's a fair play, but everyone kind of is, is, is joking on uh, on Twitter and whatever. That, so Scott Parker's wife is Harry Arter's sister. <laughs> I think that's the right. I, I, all I know, they're they're, they're brothers-in-law. I'm not entirely sure. I'm I'm almost fairly certain that's how they're related. So everyone's saying, you know, at, at the Christmas dinner, you don't want that to come up next year. So I think he's just sticking up for him as his player, as his family, as his in-law. I think that's a part of it. And also, okay. what's Scott Parker going to do? Is he going to go out there and say, Arda's a diving fool. He'll never play for Fulham again. I'm going to sell him. I'm going to put him with under-23s. I don't want a player who cheats on my side. I don't think a manager is going to say that about his own player. He might deal with that internally, but when you put on your public face to the press on Sky after the match, you're going to stick up for your player. Whether Scott Parker actually believes that, I don't know. I think mm-hmm. he might actually give Arter a talking to afterwards saying, you can't cut that out. Don't do that again. But with the media, he's like, I'm going to stick up for you just because that's how I am as a manager. So I, I think Ben can be right that you know Parker's reasoning is flawed, but at the same time, I'm not really sure if that's, true opinion okay all right very good all right let's now move on after that the match obviously changes and um i just want to say this and i definitely want both of your views on this because fulham see this match out but i i want to talk about this and i said this ben i'll go to you first because i we talked about this on full time beyond the the um, Morrison opportunity, which, you know, again, was a very good opportunity. I, as a Fulham fan, did not feel that threatened by Cardiff City at the end and, of that match. You know, this I, is, again, this is the hilarious. Man. This is the hilarious thing, Russ. That, Go ahead. Um, Cardiff would have been far more comfortable playing a counterattack game against Fulham. As soon as Fulham sit back, Cardiff don't know what to do, do they? Cardiff, um, no offence to, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, as I say, I'm fascinated. They don't want the ball. They want to counter. <laughs> they, they literally don't. Look at all the stats in all of their games. They got promoted That's two right. seasons ago. No, you're and right. I think they were second lowest possession. They do not need the ball so this to is win, playing to to their win games. Instead of their strength. Absolutely right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to the, the, the Morrison chance. They, they had the chance, yep. but... As as I said as well, my emotions when the red card came out, you're thinking Fulham, Fulham should be okay here. They've, the pattern of most of the game has been that they've kept the ball with, with precious little trouble. Okay, I haven't created 
um, tons of chances, but um, they slowed down. I mean, some would say Fulham already played slightly too slowly, and that's been a criticism um, this season. They slowed down, they um, they drew fouls, and um, a thoroughly, thoroughly professional showing. And um, Max is right, uh, Kamara made a bit of a difference just as, as the out ball, but yeah, I, I I agree with you. Very very professional. I think uh, a Neil Warnock side chasing the playoffs in um, uh, I don't know springtime. Warnock's a real gambler, and I was very surprised that we didn't see you know four up front and you know the Alamo because that's what he's normally like. But and that's probably a sign of respect and and the time in the season. I think later in the season Fulham probably lose that game and. Cardiff gambled, oh, well, there would have been a result. Cardiff would have gambled big style later in the season. But yeah, very professional. Okay, very good. Over to you, Max. Your thoughts on the situation after the red card and Fulham see the match out. And also, what was going through your mind with the uh, Morrison chance? Because he does just miss. But beyond that, you and I already talked about this. Fulham were, again, I don't feel that threatened. Yeah, because Ben's right. I said this also after the match. Cardiff don't want the ball. If, they, <laughs> if they're forced to create and to go on their front foot, they're uncomfortable. It's, it's not their element. So uh, it was almost a perfect storm. I would not, would not have thought about it this way, but ben, ben made a good point. You really want to be Fulham when you're down to 10 men, and you really want to be playing Cardiff. <laughs> That's a perfect <laughs> storm uh, to, weather, to weather that kind of situation. So maybe Very Arnold good. did us a favor, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, again, the Morrison chance is a big one. I think Joe Bryan, uh, there are two men at the back post. You have to mark one of them. So he was in a tough situation. And you watch the replay, he just kind of throws himself up and hopes the best. That might have actually just put off Morrison a bit, uh, Joe Bryan's late leap. So maybe credit, credit to our left back. And again, yeah, Kamara, probably one of the last people I would have wanted on to be a cool, calm head at the end of a match, want something to be safe with the ball. That's not Kamara. I love him, but that's, that's not his strengths. But I think he did great. You know, credit to the guy. He was an outlet. He gave us um, someone up front who could do running and, and get the ball out and relieve some pressure. And also, he had a lot of really nice clearances in his own uh, defensive third. So, hey, credit to Bobakar Kamara. Um, and with rumor maybe Aite's on his way out, I think that shows that Kamara really does have a future at Fulham, even if he's not going to start week in and week out. Okay, excellent there. All right. Good stuff from the two of you. Let's now move on. Let's uh, talk about the stats in this match. I'm just pulling them up, and they're actually very interesting. So I think this will be some uh, very interesting topics here for us to go through. So I'm just going to share the stats here from this match. Possession. Even though Fulham were down to 10 men, Fulham still had 69% of the possession to 31% for Cardiff City. Total shots in favor of Fulham, 11-9 on target. 4-2 Four to two in favor of Fulham. Corners were in favor of Cardiff City. Four to three, and, and then you look at crosses were in favor of Cardiff City. Fifteen to six, and if uh, attempted passes six oh five to two sixty in favor of Fulham. This one's interesting though. Attacking passes out of those six oh five, only um, one sixty five for Fulham, and then one oh four for Cardiff City. So their numbers of attacking passes were closer to what their overall passes were. So that's an interesting statistic. Uh, passing accuracy, this is something that we always look with Fulham. If they're at 80% or more, that's usually a good statistic for them. They were at 80%, and Cardiff City were only at 57%. And accurate passes, 490 for Fulham, 149 for Cardiff City. Aerial duels, actually in favor of Fulham, 30 to 27. Fouls in favor of Cardiff City. Sharker there. 16 to 8. And those are your full-time stats. Ben, I'll go to you first. What stands out to you from the full-time stats from this match? Oof. Not a lot, to be honest. We we would have expected dominance in most areas. I think one thing that surprises me is um, Cardiff's kind of very low chance creation. Normally, yes. even if Cardiff have 3% possession, there'll still be a moment where Morrison lobs a throw in and you know, Flint flicks it and rolls for the second ball or, or you know, whoever. Um, I think if you're a Fulham fan, maybe you're a little bit worried about your own chance creation because outside of Mitro's goal, which was obviously a massively high percentage chance, um, 
obviously there was the Joe Bryan chance and the, the knockout chance. Um, just in terms of that pattern of play and um, that you'd want to see them having more passing, um, trying to get threes against twos, closer corner of the box. And I don't know whether this is just an issue of the type of wide players you've got, that they're both very individualistic players. And Knockart and Cavaliero, they, they look for the goal, don't they, primarily when they're in those wide areas. They look to cut in and and shoot. And maybe you're not going to create tons of six-yard box chances, although Mitro seems to be finishing all of those anyway. But, yeah, that, that would be my read. Nothing too um, unexpected with, with any of those stats. But I'd be interested what you think about the actual... The actual chance creation and um, you know good good teams score lots of tap-ins, don't they? Because they tear teams tear teams apart, and that's what that's what you'd like to see. Fulham, Fulham. You know, obviously that Millwall goal was incredible, where right. Knockart has the four-yard header from from goal or what have you. That's I think what you want to see, but we, we can't um, we can't say this enough. You only play. A, a team like Cardiff, Millwall might do similar things, and you destroyed them, didn't you? Um, but right. Cardiff is a—it's a real one-off in this division now with that with that style, and you you don't have to switch your tactics quite up in the way you do against Mr. Warnock than any other team, I would say. Okay, and it's interesting that you say that because they really didn't create enough, and I'm glad that you mentioned this. But I think that I have to say, Ben, and you're talking about this that. It's a, a lot to do with Cardiff City, had a lot to do with Neil Warnock. They had a, an approach, it worked, and they limited to what Fulham needed to do. And it's funny, going back to what Scott Parker said, he said he told his players in the second half to be more patient, Ben, because they were rushing it in the first half. And then that goes to talking about a little bit, you know, again, an example of that is the whole rain situation. So I think uh, when you play a Warnock team, you have to be smart. But you have to pick and choose your opportunities. But, you know, again, you just have to know who you're playing against. And I think that they weren't patient enough, especially in the first half. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I agree. And I think the evidence you've got is that on the 60-minute mark before the red card, Cardiff looked well happy with hanging in there to the last 15. And then maybe Hoylett's going to come in, maybe Bowman's going to come in and you know, just a, a change of personnel like that. I think if you spoke to Warnock on 58 minutes of that game and offered him a point, he's he's going to take that. So I think that probably proves what you were saying is is correct, that um, if it had just ticked over and ticked over and they got further and further up the pitch and, you know, full-backs forward and, you know, trying to, trying to push up to that 40-yard line with the back four, then... Um, I think the patients would have probably reaped the rewards, but obviously the red card changed everything. Absolutely. Over to you, Max, your thoughts on the statistics and also what we're talking about here, because it's interesting. I, I keep referencing what Scott Parker said after the match, but I, I find them revealing because he did talk to the players at halftime, obviously. And one of the things that he talked to them about was being patient. And Ben mentioned this as well. Do you believe if they were more patient and, again, the red card doesn't happen, maybe things are different. Maybe if they were more patient in the first half instead of what we saw in the first half, the result might have been different. What are your thoughts about all that? Yeah, it's a good point. And it brings me back to something else I was thinking about is that it's still early days. I mean, it's it's the 1st of September right now, right? And I think with time, that will come. As this team gets more familiar with each other, um, the patience will be there. And and mentioned this at the beginning, is that after that Millwall match, it might have been a false dawn, I think. A lot of people expected, after that absolutely amazing performance, for us to kick on yeah, that was, and equal it, that that's level what it was of quality be like, almost yeah. every week. Yeah, exactly. But I think it might have almost come too soon, because now we're showing that, listen, that was a great one-off performance, but that's not going to be our average level. But I think as the season goes on, you know, the, a lot of new pieces in, in the squad, right? A lot of new faces, some familiar ones, but also crucial ones that haven't been here a while. As they get more familiar, as those connections start to appear, then I think we'll start to beat teams more comfortably. And as you guys are mentioning, that patience and attack 
as players know where other people will be, as the movement becomes more precise and more in sync, I think that patient will come. So it's a great point to bring up. But we, we also have to take a step back and realize, listen, we're only, you know, four weeks, five weeks into the season. It's still very early days on. Okay. And what stood out for you from the full-time stats? Yeah, the stats, I mean, the fact that we still had 69% possession and they had 31 uh, and we had 10 men for a good half an hour, essentially, that was just amusing for me. Uh, but that's what you're going to get with us versus Cardiff, right? Uh, sure. That was a big one for me is just possession. Okay, very good. Right back to you. Let's end with getting your man of the match. Ooh, it's a tough one because, again, not really one big standout performer. I'm just going to go Mitrovic because he got that goal. I think it's goals in his each of the last four matches or something like that. That's amazing. I said he could score 30 at the start of the season. I'm going to stand by that. Let's have another second half of the season tail off like he did in the Premier League last year. But he's going to be my man of the match just because he loves to score goals and this division will be his playground. Okay, excellent. Ben, your view, who would be your man of the match for Fulman also if you want to? Who would be the man of the match for Carter City? <laughs> um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because um, Fulham are very much um, more, they're, they're not very, I know I said, the, maybe the wide players are both individualistic players. So if they don't score, they don't really come into the, um, um, should we just say, should we say Kearney just for two real bits of quality, sure. um, could have put Brian in for the assist and very composed for the goal and just hilarious taking a yellow card, topping <laughs> the um, captain's armband. Um, so I'll, I'll <laughs> I'll say Kearney for for being a for being a difference maker in a in a pretty tight game. Um, okay. For Cardiff, like you said, White started well. Um, I was thinking not, him to be honest with you. Yeah, there's not a lot not a lot there. Warnock actually singled him out, said he was naive, didn't he? So I guess he's trying to motivate him. I never thought I'd see Aiden Flynn um, step out of defence and play a defence splitting pass, but I never thought I'd sort of see Sean Morrison miss a header from. Six yards either. So um, yeah, White looks like he can he can be a be a player. And um, just one disappointed with Glatzel up up front. I think that's yep. that's a few million quid that um, need, needs a return um, at some point. But we'll we'll be patient with him. <laughs> okay, very good, great show, guys. Fantastic show, Ben. Thank you so much for joining Max and myself today. Oh, you're very very welcome, and I will be at. Who have you got on the 14th? West Brom. I'll be at Fulham, West Brom. Um, See, so you, you already beat Fulham me to the punch. Again. I was going to try to set that up, Ben. I was. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That, that's okay. I'm too uh, well trained everyone. in self-promotion, Russ. That's the issue, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was about to say, but Ben already said it. He's going to be at the West Brom match. So, Ben, maybe you can join us uh, again to do another post-match. That'd be great. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Is it possible for both sides to have over 50% possession? In that game, that's, that's going to be a very interesting one. It should be very interesting. Max, as always, thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the show. It was a great show. Always a pleasure to have you and Ben on. It's always a great conversation, and we love the neutral perspective and the tactical mind. Love yes, it. and it's good to have uh, Ben's thoughts on this. I, I want to mention that... Uh, Hopefully in our next show, uh, our uh, co-host could not join us, Yanis uh, Shanaeus. Hopefully he'll be able to join us. He's very busy this weekend, but we want to get Yanis back on the show, so I want to mention that. And before we go one last time, over to Ben for some more self-promotion. Ben, tell everyone <laughs> how they can follow you yeah, and, w- at, and watch your videos. At Benjamin Bloom on Twitter, where we plug all the videos. Just type Benjamin Bloom into YouTube. I do a championship preview and roundup prior to every single game week. Yes. And um, I live not too far a drive from Fulham, and I do like going to Craven Cottage. So, and Fulham are going to be on the telly a lot, which means I'll get to the Friday night games and stuff. So, That's great. Um, well worth hitting the subscribe button um, for a neutral. Um, everyone knows I like Fulham, but a a neutral, a neutral view on on your team. Okay, excellent. And I would highly recommend. I'll say it one more time. Ben's latest video about this match review. It's excellent. He did it right after the match. You want a neutral view? Check out Ben. It's on the Cottage Talk Twitter page. It's on the Cottage Talk Facebook page. And it's actually on Friends of Fulham. I've actually seen them post it there too. So please do watch Ben's video. He gives some very good insight to this 1-1 draw. Highly recommend it. Okay. Great show, guys. But we do have to wrap this up. For my co-host, Max Cohen, and my very special guest, Benjamin Bloom. I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to 
Connor's top. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport, powered by fans.